0: This is CliffCentral.com. Excuse us, we're just singing along to that beautiful song in sign language. Well <laughs> done for
1: the, the sign language, you remember that? Oh God, that was beautiful. And then the head movement, and then the jam, and then, oh man, viral videos, just rock and roll. I love that. must fall. yes. Good morning. and Nongke, that is how we start the show today. It is, frankly speaking, one hour Rory, we are speaking privacy today, but yes, let's talk about uh, our privates. Mm, How private are your privates? How private are your privates? When you send me that photo of yourself... That naked photo, that selfie.
0: Don't tell people what we do with. Thank dogs. God for <laughs>
1: encryption on WhatsApp, baby, because now we don't have to worry about that. But we did, we did have to worry about that quite quite a lot, didn't we? No,
0: no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> Maybe you.
0: Me, I don't play that game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't lie. I saw those pictures of nah, there, sexy. No, right? no, no. I mean, you saw you saw what happened the other day uh, with that Panama leaks.
0: Yeah, just, just just this week actually, um a big a big leak. How many documents again?
1: Eleven point two million documents. Eleven
0: point two million documents of the financial affairs of a whole host of people. And not to be outdone, of course, of course. Our very own president features there through his nephew Kulubuse Zuma. Um, and, we couldn't and be outdone by that. We were not No, of course, that, of course. Like we I mean, uh, our president is an overachiever when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and of course, before that, you had the the FBI versus Apple uh, case that was going mm. on, where F- the FBI essentially took uh, Apple to court to force them to. Unlock a phone that, mm-hmm. that they were struggling to unlock uh, in, in a case in a terrorism investigation, I think it was uh, and then before that you 've got Edward Snowden uh, with it and then you 've got WikiLeaks right and, and
1: also celebrity porn pictures listen for forget those yeah, they bring that upon themselves but
0: <laughs> but if you 're in the us it's a big deal Pri- privacy is a huge deal, especially in the us i don 't know if it 's such a huge deal for South africans and 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 that 's what we 're going to investigate. do South Africans really care about privacy um in the united states it is a big deal i mean this whole thing with the apple th- my first instinct to 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 that case was hey uh, they 're trying to to deal with terrorism. How do you expect them to deal with terrorism if they can 't access these phones and so on? But then, on the other hand, is so if they can do that for terrorism, what else can they do and how, and, and how safe are you ultimately and, and that 's the premise for the show today
1: absolutely i think we 're going to be talking about private security as well as state security we 're going to speak to someone at the right to Know campaign about uh, state surveillance. Uh, how much uh, surveillance should the state have over you? And how much, uh, you know, how much, I suppose, how many eyes should we have on the state? Uh, you know that the Information Act has been trying to be passed for a couple of years now. It has been blocked so far. Uh, but how long will that last, given the fact that the dominoes are starting to fall around our uh, our president, Jacob Zuma? I, I found this interesting thing on Reddit. Um, uh, just yesterday, you've, you've seen all this Panama stuff, and it can be quite confusing with regards to what actually is going on with the company Mossack Fonseca, Fines- Fans- Fonseca, Fonseca, Very hard to pronounce. And uh, I found a really cool thing on Reddit talking about this whole thing being explained by a five-year-old. So here here is exactly what this debacle of 11.2 million documents actually means. When you get a quarter, you put it in a piggy bank. The piggy bank is on a shelf in your closet. Your mom knows this and she checks on it every once in a while. So she knows when you put more money in or you spend it. Now one day you might decide, I don't want my mommy to look at my money. So you go over to Johnny's house with an extra piggy bank that you're going to keep in his room. You write your name on it and put it in his closet. Johnny's mom is always very busy, so she never has time to check on his piggy bank. So you can keep yours there, and it will stay a secret. Now, all the kids in the neighborhood think this is a good idea as well, and everyone goes to Johnny's house with extra piggy banks, and now Johnny's closet is full of piggy banks from everyone in the neighborhood. One day, Johnny's mom comes home and sees all the piggy banks. She gets very mad and calls everyone's parents to let them know. now uh, now not everyone did this for a bad reason eric's older brother always steals from his piggy bank so he just wanted to get a better hiding spot timmy wanted to save up to buy his mom a birthday present without her knowing and sammy just did it because he thought it was fun But many kids did it for a bad reason. Zuma. Uh, Jacob was Jacob. His name is Jacob. This example. Jacob was stealing people's lunch money and didn't want his parents to figure it out. Michael was stealing money from his mom's purse. Fat Bobby's parents put him on a diet and didn't want them to figure out when he was buying candy. Now in real life, many very important people were just caught hiding their piggy banks at Johnny's house in Panama. But today their moms all found out. Pretty soon we'll know more about which of these important people were doing it for a bad reason and which were doing it for good reasons. But almost everyone is in trouble regardless because it's against the rules to keep secrets no matter what.
0: And this is a big deal because the, the president of Iceland had, had or oh, the prime minister had to resign. Just
1: resigned. Yep. Just
0: resigned because of – and isn't, isn't it interesting as a sidebar what it takes to remove a president in other countries? Like what must Jay do? In our country, in our country, what is going to need to must to happen in this country to make sure that we remove this man it 's fascinating this guy he he had a piggy bank uh, in Panama and he, and people went into the streets and he resigned immediately.
1: Yeah, that's that's called accountability. We have none of that here. So, Zuma can do exactly what the, the hell he wants. Or the lack of balls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, like we're it. talking privacy. How private are your privates? Hit us up on WeChat if you want any questions to our guest, right to know. And as well as a security expert, we're speaking to him in studio. Uh, his name is Seton Hayes. We'll be chatting to him this morning and finding out exactly how private your privates are. Uh, you can also tweet us at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or at Rory Shabalala. Um, those are the tweeting details uh, on Twitter. And uh, we want to find out exactly how safe you are and if this is a real problem. I mean, do you, Rory, do you care? I mean, I, I've seen you in, in coffee shops and you always bring out your own dongle even if there's free Wi-Fi. Why are you doing that? No,
0: don't, why, don't why tell why people I that? bring out
1: my dongle. I don't do that.
0: No, no. <laughs> no, I think it's it's a big deal, right? We we carry a lot of personal uh, information on our machines and so on. Um, and so you don't, you don't want that hacked. So you have to take whatever precautions you can to make sure that, uh, you're safeguarded. So the, the, the more in my mind you, you remain off public networks, the better. On the other hand, you you are the type of guy that says "Ah, uh, if you're going to hack me, hack me. Who cares?
1: Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't have much to hide. That's the problem. I wish I did. said Maybe, I have got a lot to hide. I, I don't have a lot to hide. I you just, don't to want, hide. You I just to like hide. my privates I need it's, to remain private. I knew it's my privacy needs to remain private. Let's bring Seaton Hayes into the conversation. Seaton, good morning to you. Uh, I'm dubbing you as a security expert. What would you call yourself?
2: My security definitely been in the security industry for about 14 years. So uh, I know a little bit about it. Uh, you, you need to come a
1: little closer to the mic. Closer, I know, uh, like, they can't hack you into the microphone. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so you, you, you would call yourself a security expert. Give us a little bit of uh, background as to where, where this fascination of, I suppose, hacking and then and, and then securing people came from.
2: You know, I've always been interested in IT. You know, I broke my first computer when I was in primary school. and uh, hacked by, my broke, first... by broke, you mean you hacked? No, I actually broke it. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so kind of took it apart, <laughs> put it back together. <laughs> um, hacked my first uh, few computers when I was in, in high school, hacked the school computers. You know, I got in a bit of trouble for that. And uh, always had a fascination with it and uh, how security works, how you know, people apply policies, how they think something's secure where it's actually not secure at all. And uh, and uh, yeah, I just had a fascination through it. So that progressed through my career. I went in, studied uh, data metrics at Varsity, went through into uh, IT positions, got a job at a financial institution in the security division. You know, headed up the project team, headed up the penetration testing, which is a hacking team essentially doing. Whoa, marketing. whoa, whoa! Slow down, slow <laughs> down.
1: You mean you mean our financial institutions have. Hacking teams called penetration teams. <laughs> do. I don't know what's they worse do. about that statement. I'm, I'm not sure. So what does a penetration team do?
2: Essentially, we, we try and hack the systems that are, that are within the financial institutions as well as uh, our subordinate companies, etc., and look for vulnerabilities so that we can find those vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and patch them before external hackers can. And because we have an internal knowledge of the systems that we, we're trying to penetrate, uh, we, uh, we usually find more flaws than the external guys would. So, you know, a lot of, lot of big companies use the uh, services of penetration testers.
1: I'm fascinated by this. Like, just give me a sense, in South Africa, how many people are trying to hack? I mean…
2: Well, you know, it's it's a bit smaller than, than the international circuit. It's, it's all about cost, actually, because, you know, an external hacker, they need to look at their intended target and they need to say… You know, how much reward am I going to get by hacking this target? And they need to, because it takes them time. It takes them a lot of time to get into that target and it takes them a lot of, you know, prep work and sometimes applications that they need, they need to uh, spend on cost and virtual servers, etc. So it's all about a cost and reward system. So when they want to get into a system, they need to be able to have enough cost and, and enough incentive to get in there. Hack. You know, if you have, if you run a multiple firewalls across this organization, you will see hacking attempts all the time, from external countries, internal countries, mostly from external countries, and uh, they're just running brute force, which is just trying every kind of password against your systems, et cetera. The very basic attacks. The advanced attacks, we haven't seen many of them yet in this country. But, what, uh,
1: what is an advanced attack? Okay, what so, does that mean? So you know, <coughs> yeah, this guy's scaring me,
2: Rory. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you've got stuff that people can take out yeah, of the I bank. Know,
2: I, I know, I, I mean, uh, me. <laughs>
0: me.
1: White Monopoly Capital, yeah. Here. White monopoly. Okay, me, okay. You, hack, you hack, you
0: don't hack.
2: Is the same for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, ba- that balance of the bank account is the same. Eh? <laughs> All right. What is an advanced attack, Seaton?
2: Well, let's start with the basic attack. A basic attack is uh, essentially like a phishing attack where multiple mails are sent to multiple clients asking for username and passwords for banking environments or for Facebook or for Twitter passwords. Mm. And they use that information to hack your account accounts, essentially, where a more advanced attack is actually targeting specific companies, targeting specific individuals in that company, like a spear phishing attack. A spear phishing attack is a targeted phishing attack against an indiv- individual that you have information about. So, for example, like you, Andrew, <laughs> if I wanted to get into your Facebook profile, you know, right. I could try hack Facebook, but that's going to be a really, really hard hack because they've put a lot of security controls in. Mm. So, what I would do to, to hack you, for example, is I would need to know a little bit about you. So, I do some information research. I'd see, oh, Andrew really likes surfing, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think you do actually like surfing. Mm-hmm. So I would target a specific email or or some kind of alert to you offering you a website or a promotion on a surfing application. Nice. And I'd ask you to log into it. Essentially I'd ask you to create an account, maybe with your email address and password. Now just because the password's blanked out on the screen doesn't mean I don't have access to it because I control that website. Mm-hmm. So usually people use the same email address and password for that site as they do for their Facebook everything. or Twitter. Absolutely Hopefully everything. not your banking account. Yeah, yeah. Else, everything. But everything right. else. So oh, I would crikey. use that, that information to log onto your Facebook and I could obtain additional information, like, for example, your address and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm trying to get your ID number and all that type of stuff so that I can you know, pretend to be you on the call center or, or something like that so I can get additional information. So I'd use Facebook and I'd log into Twitter and I'd try and pull as much information as I can to be able to, to bypass any security controls later on in time, which is quite scary.
0: Seton, is it all driven by <laughs> your login? Details is there? Are there? Are there? Is that the the way that generally most of us get hacked? Is just through typical login details or and giving those away.
2: In this country, it's phishing. Mm. Phishing uh, usually gets the most most attacks, most viability because users in this country aren't as security aware as other countries. So mm. the phishing attacks are still very very prevalent in this country, and they they still work. So mm. so until such time as uh, you know the the population is. Because you are you mm-hmm. are the ones that are in charge of your username and password and your credentials. Mm. It's not anyone else. And if if you compromise those or you give those away on a phishing site, then unfortunately, you know you're the one who's responsible for it.
0: Let's talk about financial institutions. Uh, we we hear constantly, increasingly actually, around uh, how people go into the bank, um, the teller maybe logs into your profile and realizes how much you've got, and then the next thing you're followed home, um, and and bad things happen to you. Uh, how 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 secure are we from the institutions themselves? Because we just take it for granted that I can trust this institution. Uh, but to what extent are we safe from the people that are, that work in these institutions?
2: Well, the bank, the bank. I can't speak for all banks, but mm. uh, the ones that I've worked at, they do take quite a lot of precautions with regards to confidential information. So you know, only certain people have access to that. But saying that, a lot of employees need access to that information because. Mm. You know, they need to do their job. They need to open accounts. They need to transfer money. So they need access to your, to your information to transfer it. And uh, you're essentially giving that that access to them. And you can't perform the job function without that access. And if you have one or bad or one or two bad individuals which can't pull that information, you know, it, it's very, very hard for any corporate institution to make any controls around that. You know, you can vet them. You can do background checks, you know, but you you actually have – I mean, there's just too many employees to do. To be able to fully secure that environment.
0: And then you spoke, you spoke earlier around all of the hacks that are happening. What's the, what's the, what's the, the level of hacking that's happening? Are we seeing like attempts like one a day or are we seeing hundreds and thousands of attempts to, to well, hack? A
2: lot of them are automated. So you have bots and bot, bot networks. So essentially a lot of computers that are trying to break into computers all the time. They use something like RDB brute where, where they're doing RDP remote desktop attacks to try and take over servers and just explain that to us for Okay so the so most companies have IT support off-site. So well i was say a lot of smaller medium businesses have a lot of IT support off-site. So they allow access into their network to be able to control those servers. And those that that is specific is called RDP, remote desktop. So remote desktop protocol and uh, there's a lot of RDP brute forcing going on. So essentially if you've got a username and password on your server which is very weak that RDB brute force will, will find it and they'll be able to log onto your server and they'll be able to do all kinds of things. Use your server as a platform to launch additional attacks, alternatively try and pull information off or, you know, or, or some of the, the latest ones we've seen is, uh, like I don't know if you know what the Locky virus is. Locky virus is the virus that came by email, popped on your machine and they would encrypt all your files. Oh, wow. Yeah, so and and then, then you'd we, have to pay bitcoins to get it. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> bitcoins? Yeah, yeah. So I think the the latest one, it's like one or two bitcoins. So What's that? 12,000, 13,000 rand? Oh, really? Yeah, so it's quite a Two life.
1: bitcoins is 13,000 rand? I think rand. so.
2: Uh, I would have to, you'd have to check that.
1: If you thought that you were tuned into Tech Central, you are not. You're actually tuned into, frankly speaking. Now, let's ask the real important question, Seton. How do I get an American Netflix account?
2: <laughs> well, I believe that Uhotelli you know is up and running again. Yes, you know
1: <laughs> Awesome. Um okay, so our information is is it feels like quite easily accessible. Am I am I right? Am I wrong? Like so, I mean if you really wanted to hack in and find what's it steal my identity how long do you think that that would take you as an individual who who worked for a financial institution who was a professional at this like give me a sense of what that's gonna
2: i think for you it would be a little bit easier andrew and the reason is is that um, well there's two reasons one is you've got a public profile right so a lot of your information is freely accessible. The second thing is I know you personally, so oh, a, I have a, lot <laughs> a real problem. So, so I know a lot of information about you. So for you specifically, it would take me much less time than it would for for Rory, for example. But you know, a ride, a ride, a
1: ride. <laughs> what are you doing right now? You think just because you're black, you can't be found online? Because there's so many of it. No, 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 Rory, no, Rory. Um, okay. So that's, um, that's a little scary. We've been seeing all this, um, right to know we're going to get them on the line now with the uh, state surveillance. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts about this, like, information and, and, government right now. How much, how much spying, viewing are they doing of you and me or, or maybe someone who's politically, you know, in, in the political landscape?
2: Well we we've seen a bit with Jacob Zuma spy tapes, et cetera, like that with the with the, I think there was NI involvement. You guys would probably know better than I I would in that specific sense. But you know, I, I think the, the NI in this in this country would do I think the NI in this country would do quite a bit of surveillance. Um I don't know what the capabilities are. Um as I said I haven't
1: What do you think? I mean are they listening to calls? Is that, is that I mean is that the, the hacking into your phone and then listening to your calls? I think
2: or? it'd be very hard for them to listen because of the, the infrastructures that we have. We have you know SIP-based infrastructures now, calls are going all over the place, there's no central location. For, for these mm-hmm. calls I mean it's internet based calls So to, it would be A really tough one for them You know A lot of the stuff Is encrypted They're specific So yeah I mean in the old days Where Telcom was the only Service provider Sure I think they 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 would have had A, a feed into there But you know It's also about volume there's so much volume of calls, you know. You'd need some kind of automated system to be able to listen in. You know, a lot like the states do, where you listen in for keywords and stuff mm-hmm. in those conversations. I mean, you take a look at, for example, this Panama thing. That's 2.6 terabytes of information. That is so much information that they had to use automated systems and indexing and all kinds of stuff to be able mm-hmm. to pull the information out. It's just so it's such a lot of data. And I think listening in is it really comes down to what systems you have to listen in onto on those calls. So you need to look for keywords because you can't listen to every call. I mean, it's it's practically impossible so um, yeah so I think the surveillance guys you know they're a bit of disadvantage now because of the disbursement of of telephone communication email email's exactly the same it disperses all over the place so there's no central location where you can we can tie in and, and listen to all that information get all that information yeah
0: so Seton, it, it, it sounds like if we are to answer the question that the show is asking today uh how, how private are your privates they're not they're not very private you you're you at, at you're at high risk and yeah. and and so so then how does one then live in a world like that and, and what are the consequences of not caring i mean most of us really don't care and our lives keep going just fine um a guy like you, how do you make sure that you're private or private? I was about to ask that. That's a, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, let's, let's ask the hacker what yeah. he does to keep himself. Like, He doesn't have any computers or anything yeah, exactly. like that. Exactly. And I've got quite a
2: few. Um, you see, from my type of stuff, all my security documents, all my documents that are really, really important to me and really secure mm-hmm. – I store offsite in encrypted storage. It's, it's always been that way and I've always stored it. All the stuff that I, I don't really mind, my personal documents, stuff like that. When I say personal documents, not my ID number, my mm. copies of the ID, that will all go into personal storage. But all of that other stuff that's that i don't mind if anyone reads you know that that i'll just treat like normal the stuff i don't mind putting on facebook in the public profile for example that'll just be on my computer but my secured stuff will be in secured storage so what, what, does, that what, what does that mean okay, yeah i was so, gonna say
1: like geez, so, we i feel like <laughs> such a noob hey? i know nothing about this
2: yeah, no, no. <laughs> so you know you, you gotta you gotta look this. There's two ways about this. There's availability, and then there's confidentiality. So, for example, if your computer crashes, you want all your data back, right? Right. So what's the logical choice? Oh, we pop it on cloud storage. Great. Mm-hmm. So we use a Dropbox or any other that of thing. Dropbox does encrypt um, all the stuff, but can they read that data? Probably. Mm-hmm. we are probably at a push to read that data. So how secure is it? We actually don't know because we, we, we don't know. We don't know how secure it is because we don't have access to all of their stuff. So when I say secured storage, I'm saying storage that I control so storage that for me as an IT professional I've created my own so it's storage. what an external hard drive it's external on my network that's accessible by me through encrypted channels Yeah, so I have an uh, open VPN tunnel encrypted tunnel where I access my documents off a, off a NAS a network area storage <laughs> device ok so so, 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 here. so I can't so I
0: can't I can't even start knowing what a NAS is so maybe for for, for a guy like me what do I buy <laughs> because there
2: what is, is it that I buy to protect myself? The, the best thing you can a buy... A filing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Print it and stick it in there, lock it in.
1: And then delete it. Delete as
2: much as you can. <laughs> um, the best thing you can buy, and I, uh, it's such a cliche, but the best mm-hmm. thing you can buy is knowledge. <laughs> you need to understand what the risks are and uh, it is so important to understand that when you put the documents on there you, you're not going on public networks great really really good really good advice uh, public networks are, are a huge problem because you don't know how they've been set up that, you know if, if they've been set up to isolate each user from each other or mm. any of that kind of stuff and a hacker can sit on that network and, and sniff the data so just give us because a lot of us do Walk into uh, coffee, coffee shops, shops yeah. and, and just link up to the Wi-Fi Tell
0: us what, what's the risk there and what happens
2: Okay, So the risk is most people will, will plug in and the first thing they'll do is open up Gmail or they'll open up Their Outlook or they'll Connect to a server Now if I'm sitting on that network and I have a sniffer going And I've, um, I don't want to go too technical I've made it so that everyone goes through me So I can see all the data um, I can pull those passwords straight out of the streams, so I can wow. I can get your passwords for remote desktop, for your mail, for stuff like that. So, wow. and I can use that information later on. You know, internet banking will be a bit different because there's additional uh, yes. OTP and all that kind of stuff. You know, the one-time password, mm-hmm. which is which is much harder. But your mail and stuff just flows across the network, so you can definitely pull that information out. So yeah, Andrew, don't go on public. Andrew, <laughs> You it's see, not that I have anything to is, hide. It's you've been just asking me why I don't go onto public
0: networks. That's my re- I, I haven't I been really, able to articulate it, but that's my reason. I
1: really like <laughs> free Wi-Fi. <though>. <laughs> <laughs> I really like free Wi-Fi, though. So, so if wait, let me ask you this, right? If I have my Gmail open already, right, and then I go on, so they can't. So I haven't accessed my password yet. Can they still pull it?
2: They'd pull your cookie. No, no, no. I'm, you remember make me go technical here, right? You're going to make me go So essentially with web, right? Why are they pulling my cookie? So
1: they <laughs> They're penetrating me yes. on my cookie. No. I mean, ITs are sick fucks. Eh? Excuse my language. They really are. I mean, cookies, floppies, stuffies, you know, penetration. Okay, yeah. Tell me.
2: So essentially when you log onto a website, the website needs to know who you are. So it gives you a cookie or a session cookie, and that cookie sits in your browser, and that every subsequent request you make to Gmail or anything passes that cookie across and if I can grab that cookie, or if I can pull that out of the web requests, then I can put it into my browser and then I look at you without logging on. Oh, wow. But I'd have to, I'd have to break the encryption because remember, Gmail is behind HTTPS encryption. So you would get a very ugly message popping up on your screen saying your encryption's broken. It's best to say leave that. You know, Google pops up that thing saying your encryption is broken, mm. proceed or node proceed don't proceed don't
1: (laughs) proceed so wait okay just uh, before we we hit the right to know guys because they're going to talk a little bit about state surveillance Uh, tell me a little bit about how you know you spoke about keeping your data on a secure line Mm -hmm. but let's talk a little bit about things that we can do as just rory and andrew here um, day-to-day activity i'm going to go on to free wi-fi spaces Mm -hmm. how do i how do i keep myself stay uh, keep my stuff safe
2: be vigilant. Like, as I said, those Google warnings will come up on the Gmail stuff. You know, on, on Outlook, there will be warnings. And you just need to be vigilant that if you see those warnings, they'll pop up. There'll be messages that pop up and say, mm. you know, a big red cross. And, say, and if you click proceed, then you're pretty much taking your risk into your own hands when you, when you do stuff like that.
1: Is it the same as, like, when they talk about an unsecured website, the lock at the top and they'll say… The lock,
2: that's the SSL encryption. So essentially what happens is if, if like, for Gmail, if I want to get your cookie, I need to break that lock. So I need to essentially give you my own lock but my unlock is not trusted by your computer so it'll come up with a massive big red cross mm-hmm. but if you proceed then you're accepting my encryption to me so I can see all the data that's flowing between there It's it's very complicated Andrew and um, this is hectic eh Yeah but you know it's it's all about the benefits i'm gonna sit at a public wi-fi as a hacker what benefit am i gonna get from that you know i'm gonna sit there the whole day and try and what get username and password for for banking but i still need your otp anyway so so is there any massive benefit i could be there for six seven days before i get anyone with banking details and then i still need to break the otp Mm. so is it really worth it
1: how important is your id i think that that's the one interesting thing that you spoke about now like if if i get your id details am i good to go like
2: well, ID document is definitely one of them. Like, the, as, as the banks get more secure, if they put in biometrics, all that kind of stuff to secure your identity within the banks, the next thing that's going to happen is the attackers are going to move to identity theft. Because it's all well and good. If you secure the banks fully, like with biometrics, pin, you know, at the bank, at the ATM, you go to the ATM, put in your card, biometric swipe, you know, it's, it'll be almost impossible to break that type of authentication. Then all they'll do is they'll just step back. And they'll go to home affairs Which will be the next Next floor And they'll get You know They'll clone your profile and then they'll get a new bank card Issued or they'll get a And, and that's That's the way it's going to go Unfortunately
0: Seaton let's move, let's move this from personal now To sort of national um, we, we, we Anonymous has become Quite uh, Quite uh, Famous Or let's say popular um, For what they do Let's call it They like to look at themselves As the white knights Of uh, Of of the internet And hacking um, to what extent are armies now starting to have um, sort of social media or internet uh, divisions to that? And, and what type of activities are we seeing them do? We heard of the hack, I think, of North Korea of their of their um, nuclear uh, the the nuclear facilities there, yeah. yeah, the Stux the stucks thing. So so it seems like this has become sort of another layer of 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 warfare. Uh, how advanced
2: is that and in, in south africa how how safe are we well, from state, to, I have no mm-hmm. idea how how far advanced our state institutions are. Um, you know We can only look at the information that 's been released, and uh, Stuxnet was a very very good i mean that was a very very advanced virus that that did all kinds of stuff that was mm-hmm. and too much so that it and it would have cost a lot of money to produce that virus. So a lot of people think that it was actually state-sanctioned virus. It was a targeted state-sanctioned virus. But we don't know. It's mm. conspiracy theories. But after looking at the code and the security research, it really does look that someone put a lot of time and money into that code. Um, from our from our local guys, um, I'm actually not sure what their capabilities are. Yeah. Um, the NIA guys, I have absolutely no idea
1: all right let's uh, let's bring in uh, the right to know campaign guys uh spokesperson on the line from cape town murray hunter joins us now um murray good morning to you you've uh you've been doing a lot of work right to know about state surveillance about information that the government can hold uh we saw your latest campaign around the idea of state surveillance and, and the state surveying all of us what's that about
3: Sure. Well, I think that w- when we talk about communication surveillance, we're talking about well, we're talking about many different things, but it's useful to look at two specific concepts, and the one is targeted surveillance and the other is mass surveillance. So targeted surveillance is when you yourself are identified as a uh, criminal or a troublemaker or a potential trem- uh, terrorist or whatever, and you are put on a list and your communications is, is accepted. Mass surveillance is a more general system where, Lots of different people, potentially millions of people, entire sections of a population are uh, uh, subject to the same kind of general collection of their of their data uh, now, when we look at like what Edward Snowden blew the whistle on in the u s and uh, he was mainly exposing mass surveillance systems where general populations were having their vast amounts of their information collected uh, online in South Africa we see Hints that both of those things are happening. I mean, we, you know, um, one of the things that people are paying increasing attention to in South Africa is the fact that uh, uh, journalists, uh, whistleblowers, uh, political activists, unionists, people who are kind of at the coalface of democracy are becoming increasingly concerned that their communication uh, is is not secure. Um, And we've got, I mean, this this sounds like crazy man, conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat stuff, uh, uh, well had stuff yeah but 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 it's actually I mean th- th- this is now this is a documented fact um, we have two cases where investigative journalists had their phones tapped using Rika um, you know and which is a which is a huge obviously a huge violation of their personal privacy it's a huge violation of media freedom so that would be the Sunday Times investigative journalists. they had their phones tapped and that's a documented fact uh, the mail and guardian journalists who were investigating. Uh, um, the corruption case against uh, Jacob Zuma before he became president, they had their phones tapped, and this has now also come out in court records. So these are documented facts, um, and this should be enough, really, for entire governments to topple. But you know, that's not that's not where we are as a country. That's fine. Um, so so that, 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 that's where you see, in terms of targeted surveillance, those uh, capabilities are being used and abused in ways that are that are kind of undemocratic. If you speak to any kind of political operator, whether they're uh, members of parliament, whether they're maybe members of the ANC, um, these are people who are actually really worried that their phone conversations are not secure. They're worried that they're being spied on, uh, uh, you know, in in case they're sort of plotting to uh, uh, plotting against the president, in case they're seen as being unloyal to a certain faction. These are things, you know, these folks are really worried about. So that's it, that, that, that's the targeted interception. But the other thing I wanted to talk about is mass surveillance, because in Murray, South Africa,
0: before you know, before you get into mass surveillance, uh, so some of the things that you've highlighted um, where there's targeted surveillance against people, we we recently heard of the Helen Suzman Foundation robbery. Um, can you just? Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's that all about. Why? Why? Why is that so concerning? And just just explain what happened there and and why the Helen Suzman Foundation robbery uh, is, is such an an interesting part of the surveillance thing.
3: Sure. So pe- people, the Helen Suzman Foundation is bringing all kinds of uh, uh, grief on the head of um, the Hawks, the the uh, Special Investigating Unit, and. Um, uh, you know, three days after they brought a court challenge to the appointment of the head of the Hawks, saying basically this person has been appointed to, I mean, this is not what they say, but if I could summarize it, they say that the head of the Hawks is effectively appointed in order to cover up major sensitive investigations of corruption. Um, and so they challenged his appointment in court. And three days later, uh, unidentified individuals raided their offices, uh, took all their computers, um, th- and it was really one of those, I mean, some people say that it was an apartheid-style raid, but this is not something that, that, that is new to the Democratic We It's very similar to what we saw when the Scorpions and police were at war with each other during the Celebi days in the 2000s. Um, now, those those individuals have not been identified, but many people are putting two and two together to say, look, if it feels like the Hawks are one body that... Um, would have a particular interest in what's on the computers in the Helen Susan Foundation. And what it suggests is a situation where uh, where a security structure, of, of a very elite unit of the police, is targeting people who are seen as being threats to their legitimacy. Mm. Uh, people who are really, um, you know, whatever you think of the Helen Susan Foundation, people who are really doing um, what they believe is the right thing, and they're performing completely constitutional uh, actions—things that are that are there to strengthen our democracy—and they're being targeted as a result. Mm. So, in situations, I mean, th- th- that's not really about communication surveillance, but it's about the same system where people who are seen as being troublemakers appear to be coming under pressure, yeah. coming under threat, and in—and and, in, and, 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 and it's that kind of visible. Detectable abuse. Yeah, that, that may also be that, that that suggests that there's something maybe happening behind the scenes as well.
0: Marianne, just sticking with uh, with with targeted surveillance uh, for a bit. Um, so how how then does the state protect us? Uh, because it has to obviously it has to suspect you first, and then it has to investigate you. Um, so if you've got nothing to hide, why is it a problem that there are that that we're being snooped on, and that the government probably knows what's on my computer?
3: So, firstly, everyone has something to hide. Um, I'm fairly certain that there is something yeah. about your personal life that you wouldn't want to talk about right here on the radio. And I can guarantee yeah, what is that, please, Roy? that i got my stuff as well. Yeah, Mary,
1: what is that? Let's talk about that for a second, Mary. What is it that yeah, you don't to find? We've well, got I, a hacker here. We're going to just hack into your systems was, what's quickly. Uh,
3: uh, the, that
0: ANC, the, ANC the, the, the head of ANC Women's League said, we all have small skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> we all have small skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and,
3: of course, it's the, I mean, that's the point is that... that, that you know, the, the right to privacy is constitutionally protected because it says that we're all allowed to have our small and young and skeletons. And mm. that might be financial information, it might be your medical information, it might be your love life. I have no right to that kind of information about you, even if you're not a good guy. Um, no, you know, no offense. but. Uh,
0: no, I'm offended.
3: Yeah, Keep so. Going. so so all of us have something to hide. That's the point, and and um, I think a lot. Of, I mean, I want to when we when we start talking about mass surveillance, I think it's it's useful to talk about that because that's people's main concern. They say, well, look, I'm not a journalist, I'm not an activist, I'm not a political operator, um, I'm not someone who should feel vulnerable about these things. And yeah.
0: So so let's jump on mass surveillance. Uh, yeah. What is that, and why is it such a big concern?
3: Well, you know, the the thing is, we we all reek at our cell phones, right? So well. Almost all of us, we should have rika our cell phones, which is linked to your um, personal identity, to your number, to your SIM card, or, you know, uh, all of that stuff. And um, what people forget about Rica is that it requires your telecoms operator and your internet service provider to store your metadata for between three and five years. So, uh, uh, I-
0: so, so Murray, just metadata for those of us that don't sure. understand?
3: So, 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 metadata is not the content of the communication, but it's the information about the communication. So, instead of being the content of the message, it might be the identity of who sent it and who received it, the time they sent and received it, the uh, their location, their you know the, mm-hmm. the the device they were using, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be the the subject line of the email, for instance, but not the content. Um, it, it would be your internet, uh, uh, your your internet browser traffic and things like that. Um, so, so, so people say, well, well that's, not, you know, that's not the content of my communication. That's not, that's not the sensitive stuff, but actually uh, what we know from Snowden is that your metadata is actually very, very, very useful to people who are trying to build a profile of who you are, who you interact with, what you do, what your beliefs are, what your activities are, and also what your secrets are. Um, they, they say, hey, look, you know, there's a, there's a very useful old expression which says that you know, if, if people have access to your metadata, uh, but not the content of your communications, they don't know um, your HIV status, but they do know you received a call from an HIV testing station, uh, and you spent an hour on the phone with your doctor, and you spent an hour on the phone with your medical aid. Uh, they don't know the contents of that communication, but they can very much uh, uh, figure out what was in that call. Um, so look that that, that data is being stored for between 3 and 5 years for all of us it means that there that, that on the servers of mtn vodacom m mweb whatever there is these vast databases which actually profile you know profile the most intimate details of the lives of of pretty much every south african who's tapped into a communication system of any kind um, and, and it, it's, these are provisions that we haven't really ever thought about in South Africa. We haven't really had that moment that many other countries have had. Sort of after the after Edward Snowden blew the whistle, there was you know these huge yeah. debates about privacy and these huge shifts. And we saw technological shifts, and we've seen that major uh, major technology companies have completely changed the way that they're doing things. Ma- you know, major governments have struck down laws, so yeah. on and so forth. In South Africa, this hasn't really happened, but in some ways, we're we're living under the same
1: system. I, I want to bring in uh, Seaton here just to, to talk about what you're talking about, mass surveillance. Seaton, for me, the interesting thing about this whole thing is I'm getting freaked out right now, right? Just from what you said earlier and what what Murray's saying on, on the line right now, it's, it's starting to scare me a little bit. But at the same time, I'm just wondering how huge terrorist organizations can organize Brussels attacks and no one picks this stuff up. I mean... Is it being picked up? Is, I mean, how does that slip through the cracks? I mean, I'm sending, you know, like naked selfies to Rory here and that's getting picked up, but no one can pick up that a bomb is about to go off in, in Brussels airport.
2: Well, the things that used to protect you could also be used to protect terrorists. For example, you've got encryption. You've got all this kind of stuff that you can use to protect you personally. Governments use it to protect their information and terrorists can use the exact same exact same means to communicate encrypted whatsapp calling is a primary example it's encrypted now Mm. all that metadata um, that Murray was talking about on the whatsapp calling side the search providers will have no access to that data so you know you say how does the surveillance miss all this all this stuff is because these people are technically smart a lot of these terrorist organizations are technically smart, and they know how to use this organization. They they use tools on the internet, uh, anonymizing tools like Tor, et cetera, to do their browsing, and they'll use online calling services like WhatsApp now that it's encrypted or one of the other SIP calling services which are and none of that metadata is stored. So – we're allowing the state to, to do all of this monitoring of our of our um, metadata, et cetera, like that. But, you, you know, they, they say they want to do it to catch these terrorists, but the terrorists aren't using those systems. They're mm. using additional encrypted systems. So, mm. you know, I, I'm with Murray with this, is that, that five-year year data, I, I think that, sure, it should be secured and it should be stored, but I think it should be court-ordered to be able to access that information. I don't know if it is at the, at the time, Murray. Is it, uh it is, well, that's
3: the thing. Is it, it is court-ordered. You basically... So, so let me let me just put on a different hat and act as a spokesperson and a, as a defender of Rika, since someone has to, right? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Rika. Now, all of us have have um, linked our identities to our SIM cards using Rika. What Rika says is that no one can intercept your communication without a court order. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through there's a there's a special Rika judge that that uh, a police are supposed to go to um, in order to get a warrant, and then once they get that warrant, they must go to your Communications provider, whether it's a whether it's a network operator or an internet service provider, and they'll say, "Here's a court order for so and so, for their data, give it to us." Um, but, 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 we've seen situations that show that that system is open to abuse. Now, th- th- those two cases I mentioned earlier, where investigative journalists had their phones tapped by the police at a time when they were investigating the police and prosecuting authorities for, for you know, major, major. Wrongdoing. They had their phones tapped using Rika. A judge signed those. A judge signed a warrant for those journalists' uh, communications, uh, to those communications to develop those communications. Now, in 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 one case, what we saw is that the judge can be misled. What happens is is, is what appears to have happened is the two rogue cops decided they wanted to tap the Sunday Times journalists' phones, and they simply uh, they simply. Slip their numbers into another affidavit to say, "Oh, we're investigating this chop shop in KZN. Here are the eight numbers of people that we need to tap to try to investigate." This.
1: Oh wow!
3: Um, oh and, wow! <laughs> uh, so, so that's 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 pretty naughty. But in in another case, at least one <laughs> other case, we know that a judge knowingly signed off on a warrant to investigate a journalist, where they said, "Oh, you know, yes, he's a journalist, but he's also up to some other dodgy stuff, and we need to investigate." So so there's Clearly, that, that court order is, uh, is not enough to protect people entirely. But when it comes to your metadata, so, so those uh, situations I just described is when we want to intercept the communications directly. I want to hear it as it happens. I want to get the messages as they come. But there's also remember that your, all of that data about you is stored for up to five years. If it's older than 90 days, I don't have to go to a record judge, a specialist judge. I can go to any magistrate and get that warrant. And the thing that is scary about that is that there are magistrates across the country who presumably are signing these warrants, and no one in the country can tell you how often they're doing it, um, uh, how many requests they get, how many they accept, how many they turn down, because no one is monitoring it. The Department of Justice cannot give you that information. Um, No one can give you that information, I can tell you, because we've been trying for several years to find out. Um, but we, we're also so so that's already a problem. But we're also seeing signs that this data might be because once it's been stored, this data might be vulnerable to people accessing it without without a court order. Mm. We see reports that uh, you know in, in, in the main Guardian last year that uh, a cop or you know basically law enforcement can go to members of of the telecoms providers and just kind of. Uh, 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 cage the data off of them, just like sort of, you know, charm it out of them without a court order. So that's already a problem. Uh, we see signs that the, South, that, 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 that the South African government itself has the ability to intercept signals without going to the telecoms providers. So basically getting around the RICA system and getting around your NCNs and your Vodacoms and getting access to those signals themselves. So we don't really know enough, but we do know that basically your data is not as secure as it should be. And that, that raises the question about whether we should be storing that metadata at all. Sorry, going back like five minutes to what you just said. Should we be storing that data at all? There's an argument that we said that you should only start storing the data once someone is suspected of a crime. Yeah. So you get a court order. What we have right now is that everyone has been having their information collected whether they're suspected of doing anything wrong or not. Everyone in the country. Maybe it should be that if I want to collect your data, I must first get a court order for it to be stored. To say this person is potentially up to something suspicious, let's start storing his information and going and, and going through it and see if we can, you know, if we have a, if we have a case.
0: Guys, just uh, bringing it back to personal, we are now in the age of the Internet of Things and we're putting all sorts of things on our bodies and so on. Uh, Does does that obviously then uh, increase the risk that eventually you are going to be hacked as as a person? Your body is going to be hacked. Like, How far are we from that?
2: Well, I know some of the guys, even locally here, the MWR guys and some of the other guys have hacked a few cars already. Um, so, you know, getting They've the AB- hacked a few cars. Well, they hacked the cars via the, the, I think it was the SD card in one of the cars, getting the, the ABS to lock up, et cetera. Wow. So, but it's not a remote hack, it was, it was locally. But, so, you know, as we move into, into an environment where everything is interconnected, you know, your, your Fitbit connects to your phone and connects to, across to the internet. So I can pretty much know how many steps you've taken you know, that day. That's Uh, big information. Well, well,
3: well, you know, maybe this is useful for people who wear those uh, kind of Apple watches and other smart watches. And there was a paper recently that suggested that if you wear the watch on your dominant hand, um, that, that there's a very high probability that someone who hacks the watch can figure out what your ATM pin code is because <laughs> wow, of the geometric, wow. you know, because it can figure out, well, he's <laughs> moving. Oh, my power, word. So <laughs> basically, now when I go to an,
1: an ATM, I need to get naked, yeah. basically. <laughs> Take all my clothes off and then start with the, the transaction. Is that what you're saying, Murray?
3: That is exactly what I'm
1: saying. Murray, aren't you concerned about your personal safety and in terms of of... Hacking. I mean, you you you're the spokesperson for right to know campaign. Surely, I mean, this conversation is being recorded right now.
3: Well, yeah, yeah we're on the radio, right? This conversation is being recorded. <laughs> oh, that's a good point.
1: Um, we are we are recording this. Wow, technology is so intense. <laughs> well, this technology is intense. Eh? <laughs> you
3: have to get up pretty early in the morning. Trick me like that. But, um, look, I th- I think that everyone should exercise reasonable caution. These are, you know, the, 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 as I just said, the, the point about these systems is that actually some people may be invulner- more vulnerable than others, but we're all potentially opted into the system that, that does make us vulnerable. So you need to exercise caution. I mean, in you know, we, we see that the fears of surveillance um, are becoming more and more of a feature of uh, activist organizations like the Right to Know and civil society organizations like the Helen Suzman Foundation. Uh, what you find is that when it comes to grassroots community organizations that Right to Know is working with, who are often involved in service delivery protests, they're often involved in in, in very basic local government accountability questions, poor people's movements, those fears have been alive for a lot longer, going back years and years, um, these fears about surveillance. So, these are a feature of our lives, and you see that journalists as well are having these fears. And the, and the truth is that there are two, there are two possible options when, you feel, when you're worried about your communications and you're worried about surveillance, and the one is to close up completely. You, you go underground, uh, uh, you, you hide under a rock, because that's a very easy, uh, that, that's a very easy response, and that's one of the reasons surveillance is such a threat. It's not just a threat to your privacy, but it's also a threat to your freedom of expression. Because people who feel like they're being watched feel less comfortable uh, uh, Expressing conducting stuff, themselves yeah. in a way mm-hmm. that's open. Um, but, the, you know, I, I think that that's a very dangerous response at the same time. Because the truth is that if you feel like you're being watched, the first thing to do is to conduct yourself as if you're always being watched. We have the, the conversation I'm having now with the, with you on the radio, is a conversation that I would feel comfortable having with anyone in any circumstances. Because I just... We must always assume that nothing is entirely secret. Uh, but there are also things that we can do to, to protect ourselves more. You can start encrypting. Uh, yesterday, WhatsApp finally unveiled its complete end-to-end encryption across all platforms, which is greatly greatly increases the security of your WhatsApp communication system. Uh, I'm assuming that we've already discussed that. Um, you know, you you can you can protect your devices. You can use or to protect your internet browser traffic, if you traffic, if you want, but you know, ultimately, we, we, you have to carry on doing the things that you do, and you can't let this stuff shut you down.
0: Murray, we're running out of time. How do you protect yourself? So, we've 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 asked Seaton. Uh, so, as an individual, you know, who's not very tech savvy, how do you, as an individual, protect yourself?
3: Well, everyone has their secrets, right? Uh,
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this guy's dodgy. This <laughs> man works for. This man, this this man works doggy. for Right to Know. <laughs> this he man works doggy. for Right. To uh, <laughs> to... um, <laughs> no, look. One
3: of the things that is great is, as I said, that you know the the um, it, the, the kind of secure communications that we all want has often been very difficult to come by. That that real security is often extremely inconvenient. But as I said, one of the one of the great things is that uh, WhatsApp yesterday unveiled. Um, that, it, you know, that it has finally implemented this end-to-end encryption, which means basically all messages and calls between people who have the most up-to-date version of WhatsApp um, are exchanging messages that are encrypted on one phone and only decrypted when it gets to, you know, to, uh, to the other phone. It means that even WhatsApp can't, in, you know, if they intercept your communications, they can't actually read the message, uh, which adds a huge layer of extra security to people's communications but doesn't come at any major inconvenience. It's, it's not a perfect tool, but it's a, really, it, it, it's a really great tool because it's easy to use. You don't have to be a genius to use it. Everyone is already using WhatsApp. It means that one billion people in the world, approximately, are now... Uh, I woke up this morning with potentially better security yeah. than they
0: had yesterday. Gents, uh, very quickly we have to wrap up, but uh, there's also security at work. Uh, what's the story there? Can can your boss actually read your? I mean, your the company you work for. Are they allowed to read your emails? Are they allowed to, to 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 see what you do on your work computer? How does that work? Because I know it's not as simple as oh, you signed a contract, therefore uh, we can look at your emails.
3: Uh, I mean, my view is that people should get their email retention policy. Find out if, you're, if you're, if you're, um, find out if your business has an email retention policy because what you'll often find is that businesses do. They, you may or may not know it, but you've signed away your right to... If, you, if you're using an office email, if you're using a business email, um, you may have signed away the right to that private communication. Which means possibly you should use your private email if you're sending private email.
0: But if I'm if I'm tap, if I'm logging into Gmail using my work computer and it's my private Gmail, uh, you, is that you, protected?
3: I, I, maybe the technical experts will have to answer that one. But you should be covered.
2: You should be covered hundred percent. If you, as long as you got that little lock, and it's going through, and you don't have any issues with it, then you should be hundred percent fine.
0: Okay, so that's 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 a lock in
2: my web browser. Yeah, lock in the web browser, mm. and uh, as long as as long as you got that, then you know you're ninety percent secure that, that 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 your personal email is going through securely. Alright, mm. Andrew mm-hmm. Levy, let's mm-hmm. land
1: this thing. Murray, thank you so much for joining us on the phone. It's uh Right to Know campaign spokesperson Murray Hunter joining us from Cape Town. Thank you so much and good luck with all your endeavours going forward.
3: Always a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Uh yeah, let's 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 close this out. I'm pretty much freaked out right now. Mm. Uh I won't be sending you any more goat porn. Um <laughs> yes. me and a goat and you know, via anything because i'm stressed about the that. reason why
0: they haven't hacked us is that, is that i haven't started sending you naked pics yeah you like,
1: know <laughs> they don't care about me too much but you know the interesting thing that i was just thinking about now when we're talking is that we are on radio and there's all this new voice encryption stuff they could just record our voices very easily done and then just rechange words letters and so on and then they'll they'll hack you
0: Imagine that. We're going Imagine. into a world where just speaking is a big risk all on its own. And uh I saw the other day your your your, your iPhone specifically has this fingerprint uh, thing. Uh, they've figured out how to basically create a, a copy of your fingerprint and, and, and basically break into
1: it. <laughs> you only saw up. that the other day. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> that was like two years ago, two ai, ago. Ai, ai,
0: ai, ai, ai. Anyway, let's get out of here. Drew. Let's
1: <laughs> See you today, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Where can people find out information if they want to get hold of you to, to protect themselves? Where would they go? Nowhere? Absolutely nowhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> come quiet.
0: on. <laughs>
1: I'm not all right, he's out of here. He's <laughs> off the radar. What can we do? Okay, fair enough. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out the podcast, cliffcentral.com slash, frankly speaking, how safe are your privates? You're hectic, hectic. Ciao, ciao. Have a good day.
3: This is cliffcentral.com.